0: Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings and the Pro Football Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football.
1: Hello out there, this is Ben Dickerson, your co-host. We are here to review a bombastic, I couldn't think of a better word, but I think bombastic is pretty good. A bombastic wildcard weekend and preview
0: divisional weekend. So let's get rocking. That's exactly what we're going to do. Let's kick off the first quarter. So, Ben, first quarter, we talk about what had happened. You see what had happened was, (laughs) you know, both in terms of the bias plus reports, you know, as they looked at the matchups, you know, and let's all let's kick it off um, with (laughs) the intriguing game of the week. (laughs) We might as well jump right into it. (laughs) We're kicking it off with the intriguing game of the week. Hey, that's what it was last week. We're talking about last week, right? Uh, go ahead.
1: <laughs> Arizona
0: <laughs> Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. Bias plus score of 0.3 favored the Cardinals, mainly because they had a much better turnover, average turnover differential that they were supposed to be able to make up those points. Um but man, it was almost symbolic of the challenges of young, young, inexperienced quarterbacks at this level of play. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, the, the,
1: the level of the quarterbacks is was extremely important in this game, as well as in just about every game last week, arguably. Uh, so I 100% agree with that. I also believe that the level uh, of the head coaches and offensive coordinators also and defensive coordinators, excuse me, also had a whole lot to do with the outcomes of
0: all six games. I'm glad you said that because I had a question I didn't get a chance to, to ask you. We talked early on about Arizona running the air raid offense. Are they still running the air raid? (laughs) Uh, As far as I can
1: tell, I believe there are still elements of the air raid offense there. I think basically they are, but they've tweaked it so much that it's almost unrecognizable. And I can understand why they would tweak it. I mean, obviously it's the NFL. Okay. It's a lot easier to recruit players to fit your system in college year after year after year and have them play for you for at least Three years in a row before you have to even think about bringing in new recruits, especially if you're a D1 school, as opposed to continuously having the right uh, type of personnel to run a particular system like the ARI in the NFL. So, yeah, it's been tweaked up quite a bit. A lot of it's been turned uh, a little bit more toward helping Kyler Murray. Um you know you have to deal with offensive line changes covid injuries nothing new but as far as the system is concerned i believe it's been for lack of a better word tweaked
0: up quite a bit ben Aerie, he's telling he's looking for the green grass he's telling this guy go here it seems to me that that style of offense would fit a really good pocket quarterback better than a guy who starts running around a lot. Sometimes it's, it's like Kyler, he, he's so good athletically and he can get away with a lot of that stuff. And it's, it's fantastic. Everybody loves it. Makes great theater. Um, but I just don't know if that's the, the type of quarterback that, that can make the best use of, uh, that type of offense number one he has to move because of his height so he has to find this passing lane and you know i think he that he's very smart to have pulled it off to this particular point um but it's just interesting you know again as as the uh competition has gotten better you know that they, they you can see where they've you know they've struggled um and especially coming down the line you know they kind of struggled but um it was an interesting game. I hated to see Kyler have his Carson Wentz brain fart moment in the end zone. Um, but I don't know what they were even trying to, you know, what they're even trying to run down there. You know, they got so many things moving. You know, they got this guy. They want to move it and groove with this guy. And he's moving ahead, and all of that. And all that's nice. But if you're on your own end zone line, sometimes you got to be able to line up and bang something <laughs> and make some moves, you know? So, you know, um, and again, that, that ability to run on them up the middle, we talked about that during, the, uh, during a season, and uh, it allowed the Rams to really get a good rush game going, and it kept Matt Stafford in a very efficient numbers grouping. Did you, have you seen his passing numbers?
1: Yeah, I saw his passing numbers. Let me, let me address a couple things that you said. First of all, as far as the air raid offense is concerned, it's a lot easier to run in college, especially if one of the premises is you, uh, you want to throw to the green grass. There's a whole lot less green grass in the NFL, talent-wise. Uh, number two, um, the brain fart. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could call it that. Uh, I watched the play several times. I heard several people talk about it and somewhat break it down. You could probably get a better breakdown if you look at the all 22, which I know you have um, the ability to do, but it looks like Kyler actually had somebody in his sights, brought the ball up and then brought it back down again. And as soon as he brought it back down again, he got himself in trouble. If He had just cranked it and let it go. It would have been completed, incompleted.
0: That is an it. issue that we I both of those to... things
1: on that two of those things out of those out of that three
0: would have been better than what happened to it. Um, the ability to get the pass off to so many open guys for the quick pass underneath that I I don't think these guys just they just don't see them. You know, what you,
1: that, why, why, Whoa! wait, well, you're slowing down. Now
0: you're taking this play and you're talking
1: about things you've seen from other quarterbacks on other teams do or not do. I don't think that's right in this situation. What do you mean? So many open
0: guys. If it was so many open guys, why do you take the sack? Well, that, that becomes the question. Um, and, and when you go back and look at the play, uh, I, I, This play might be a bad example of what I'm thinking about, but it did remind me of those thoughts that I'm having where I'm looking at some of these guys. And again, I think I've said it before. The the pass goes to the the, the receiver, which actually has one of the the probably lowest percentage chances of, of making the catch, but he makes the catch and it's just wonderful. But if, you really go back and look at the play so often there was two or three guys that was open within five to seven yards. If he had just given them the, got the ball to him and let them go, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. Now that's maybe the difference between Tom Brady and some of these other guys, Tom Brady sees that and gets that off. But um, so often, and I I think I saw that, uh, and I'm going to look for it more so with Kyler to, to make sure, because again, his, his ability to see things means that unlike maybe let's say we talked about uh, um, Ben Roethlisberger getting the ball off in, in two seconds, you know, at his height, as soon as he gets the ball, he still sees the field. He doesn't necessarily have to move to a sight lane. You know, he can just get the ball off. And I think that, that the NFL has realized Kyler can't necessarily do that. So he kind of has to move. They won a lot of games, man. He's got really good numbers. He's super talented. This, he's as, super as,
1: talented. As far I think, as. I think
0: he's overcoming the system. I think he's making the system look better, look like it's working when actually he's making up for it, the deficiencies. But as, as far as um,
1: having a bunch of guys open underneath and taking a harder pass and making it or not making it, we see that a lot. And we see it from a lot of different quarterbacks, good ones and bad ones. But we usually see it between the 20s where they were at at the time of that play. There was nothing else really to do but try to stretch the field with somebody and hit underneath to get themselves out of the shadow of the goalpost. And he brought the ball up quickly and he saw somebody. But for whatever reason. He didn't feel good about it. He pulled it back down, and he got caught. So I believe, and I haven't seen from the defensive side of the play, so I don't know who he was looking at. I don't know what routes were run. I don't know any of that. But I believe he had somebody open underneath quickly to get him at least 8, 10 yards from where they snapped the ball, get them out of the shadow of the goalpost, and continue the drive. But he wasn't confident in the throw, pulled it back down,
0: took the sack. Now, I've actually seen a report that they showed where he actually has a history of these types of throws from the end zone. There, There was two or three, four examples from past games that they showed where he's actually done this. Well, he's been somewhat successful. I don't know. I think it's mixed results. I don't think he's had too many pick sixes before this, but he, he actually he's done that before. But long story short, we um, were looking for a much closer game. Uh, the Rams look absolutely insane. OBJ um, is having an absolute field day. <laughs> he's he, he, he's got to be loving it, you know. And uh, Aaron Donald is, is scaring the hell out of everybody. So um, onward uh, beyond that, the, the Rams get to go unleash that. And we'll talk about that in uh, the third quarter when we do, do the uh, matchups for the Bias Plus reports with the Rams and what Tampa Bay. So um, let's see here. How did you make out last week with your picks? Um, <laughs> I actually feel
1: pretty good about this. Uh, of the six games i won four, um, the two games that I lost, one of them I went with a bias and one I didn't. And, and now, hindsight tells me that one of the picks was probably a silly shot at an upset that would be picking the Steelers over Kansas City. The other one was a really really at the time tough call with the Cardinals and Rams game. I kind of leaned toward the bias because I was believing in the turnover differential difference and I knew that lately over the last well not the game before, not week 18 but maybe a couple of weeks just before week 18 Stafford was showing a few little chinks in his armor as far as making bad decisions and having some turnovers. So I coupled those two things and I went with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And uh, I believe I looked back at our video from last week and I do remember saying something about the two receiver cores and how good Cooper Cup was. But when you take Cooper Cup out of the equation, You're looking at Van Jefferson and Beckham and Higby as opposed to A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, and Zach Ertz. And I thought Zach Ertz kind of tipped the balance of the scales a little bit for me. Funny, Zach Ertz did have a good game, if I remember, but it wasn't a great one. And by the way, Beckham didn't have a great day either. He had a really good day. He had four targets. He caught all four passes. I think he got 50-some-odd yards, and he scored a big touchdown. And touchdown, obviously, was huge. Um, Ertz, I'm not exactly sure, but I can look real quick and find out what he did. But I remember him catching some passes and helping to move the sticks. So I was kind of right in what I was trying to figure out was the difference between the two receiver cores. Unfortunately, the difference was Higby. Freaking Higby woke up. Higby had big catches. I don't think he scored a touchdown. I can't remember if he scored a touchdown or not, but I know he had some really nice catches. So, all in all, um, well, yeah, right. We were talking about what I did last week. So, yeah, the other games to me, I think they were easy picks. Uh, did I go with the bias on everyone? Yes, yes, yes. No. So, three of my four wins were with the bias. One was without. So, I feel good about that. The other one was a silly pick, taking the Steelers to upset the Kansas City. And, <laughs> excuse me, the Cardinals-Rams game. Yeah, it was, that was silly. <laughs> um, but I, I do silly things sometimes. But the Cardinals-Rams game, I thought, was, was a, a toss-up. I really did. And um, I wasn't surprised at what the Rams did, but I was unfortunately surprised that the Cardinals just seemed
0: to be not really ready for prime time. Uh, okay I mean one quarterback threw the ball a lot uh, you know I'm talking about Kyler Murray he, you know he had way more attempts at passes he he passed to way more people than um Stafford did but Stafford was way more efficient and, and, and deadly in what they did and so um that's what you gotta look, that's what you gotta look at. There was a much higher level of execution across the board for the Rams. So absolutely, absolutely. Stafford was
1: on point. Stafford was on point. All his passes were on point. He he was fantastic. Yeah. He used everybody and he had the run game going. And the crazy thing is, again, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not talking about the numbers because we can look at the numbers. I, you know, but the eye test tells me that neither one of these defensive fronts are really or really excel against the run so both teams had the opportunity to move the ball on the ground unfortunately because Stafford was so sharp and because their game plan looked like it was golden and everything was working pretty much the way they expected it to um, they were able to get some scores on the board and take the run game away from the cardinals um, and again like i said not only are we talking about a difference in quarterbacks we're talking about a difference between Sean McVay and Kingsbury. Sean McVay was ready. Sean McVay is talked about by his peers as a genius, okay? And he's had his mistakes and he's had his problems. But this weekend, Sean McVay was nice. Great play calling, mixed in the run. It was fantastic.
0: Interesting. I heard them talk about uh, McVay and Stafford. Um, recently, and he said, "I'll paraphrase something to the effect of McVeigh saying that with Stafford, you know, if he gives him a play, you know, if it's a three deep zone, he doesn't have to tell him if it's a three deep zone, do this. You will give him the play, and he'll no. let him, and he'll Not handle no it from quarterback. This. Yeah. No. so apparently he, he used that. to have to do that with you know, um, the previous quarterback they traded to the Lions. Goff, Goff, you know, so if, if that's what he's saying, if that's true, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have that. So um, just for fun, just for a little bit of fun in this quarter because uh, we only got to – we don't have a lot of games to talk about, so that, that quarter is not going to take a long time. Um, but I wanted to share – I want to share a little Madden rating fun. And that's what I was laughing at and looking at. All right. Can you see that right there? Yes, I can. So here are your overall Madden ratings. And I have pretty much all of the quarterbacks who are going to be in the divisional round here. As you can see there, Tannehill and Burrow, pretty close. Burrow's 85, Tannehill's 86, Jimmy G 75. (laughs) And the funny thing is, Lance is like a 72 on the game, but you can do so much more with him because of his athleticism. The athleticism is always a plus. You know, I'm a big pocket guy, but, you know, athleticism is a plus, no doubt. So then, let's see if we can just jump over here. You look at these three guys. (laughs) So then you got 97 straight across. (laughs) And I do believe your favorite receiver on, on the Packers, what's his name? Can't be anybody but Devontae Adams. Is a 99. So okay. on that on that team, you got a 97 quarterback thrown to a 99 receiver. That combination exists on the game, and then Patrick Mahomes is laying in there with these guys at a straight 97. So Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes, based on the rankings, the ratings database for EA Sports Madden 22, are all 97. But <laughs> that was interesting, and then to finish it off we have josh allen matthew stafford they both look like they're human at the very least with josh at 86 and stafford at 82 so out of the final eight uh my beloved niners have Rappolo. he is the the lowest rated um quarterback of the group but uh what do you think about that 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 is uh as a comparative look at your, at at the remaining quarterbacks for the division uh, playoffs. Well, thank God for your beloved
1: 49ers that that's and not real life. Jimmy Garoppolo is the perfect quarterback for the system that the 49ers run. He's proven that several times in the past. And he's especially proven that lately during this playoff run and just before the end of the season. Um, If anybody, any NFC team that's left has a chance to beat the Packers, it's the 49ers in my estimation. I think they are the best equipped team to go up there and give them trouble.
0: All right. Well, we'll talk about that in the the, uh, third quarter. That's that's just
1: my opinion
0: about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, All right. Okay. All right. All right. But anyway, I just thought that would be interesting just to see where they all stand on a purely quantitative uh, ratings database. I'm sure, you know, uh, like that. what you're saying, what you're saying, what I said about why I thought Garoppolo should be starting in, instead of Trey Lance, he runs that offense. But as a standalone quarterback, when you look at him versus Mahomes, you take him just out of that system, bo- both of them out of that system, you just look at him characteristic-wise, you know, I'm sure. For example, awareness. You know, I didn't really look at awareness, but I'm sure there's a vast differential between Tom Brady and Garoppolo. You know, within the within vast that. differential. Yeah. As opposed, you mean like that? Well, let's let's see. Let's see. Yeah, you got I got it right yeah. here. All I'm right. curious. Let's see now. I see Tom Brady. I see an awareness of 99. That's hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> I see Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. I see. Where did I go back? Awareness 79. <laughs> that you know what? Stop with the
1: madden stuff, man. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. It dude, makes no
0: sense whatsoever. Dude, dude, Garoppolo through the interception that we all feared. The entire game, we like, just don't throw that one. Oh. oh, he did it. You're he killing me,
1: man. He did it. You, you're killing Anywho, me. Anywho. You're the only person I know who doubts their team as much as you do. They, I got Eagles fans over here saying that their team is way greater than they are. And then when they lose, they all start talking about how they lost and start talking about hoping the Cowboys lose. That's one end of the spectrum. And here you are at the other end of the spectrum. Your team almost plays a perfect game, but for some strange reason, Shanahan has a brain fart and starts throwing the ball around when he doesn't have to, and the guy ends up getting picked. What the hell? Ain't the Cowboys number one in defense? What the hell? That's not on him. That has nothing to do with his awareness. Zero. Nothing. The man is playing great ball. Now, if he lays an egg this weekend – oh well okay but right
0: now up to this point he's been playing really really well if you were just looking at him on an awareness level okay and you had to rate them on a scale of 100 and you were looking at Tom Brady where would you rate him Garoppolo no Tom Brady Tom Brady You rate Tom Brady where would you rate Garoppolo at this moment 90.
1: 90. Okay. 90. All right. Uh-huh. 89. 8990. And the <laughs> only and I think, and I don't know, I don't play Madden. I don't study that stuff. But I believe that probably experience and success in the past have something to do with that rating which would be unfair to Garoppolo because although he's been in the NFL for a number of years, he doesn't have the number of starts under his belt that Brady has. Nowhere near. He's a veteran, but he doesn't have the number of starts that hardly any of those guys. Stafford outstarts him. Stafford, <laughs> Brady, Ryan, uh, rogers they all severely outstart him. Remember, most he'd spent years in New England as a backup. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about he it. He came to instance, San Francisco and was, had some injury problems. So he hasn't started the number of games that these guys have. So he's always going to be below them in the awareness. Well, I mean, but 90 is high. 90 is high. I
0: mean, a 90. Because I'm judging him
1: on how he's playing this season up to now.
0: Okay. All right. That's the fun of man is that is that there's a number and you, you have to kind of commit to it. You know what I mean? And it, it takes you to. No, you have to commit to, you it. know, I mean, you said you said 90. So, you know, yeah. you, you actually had you asked me on that. I gave an answer. Now, speaking of not numbers, nothing. You and I, uh, the the the, the Bias Plus report was uh, about 67 percent, four for six. You were four for right. six. So we we both kind of went different ways, but of the other games, any particular mention that you have on any of the, the pre those previous games before we move to the second quarter? Uh
1: I think the Bengals are looking really, really scary, but I believe they were able to take advantage of the Raiders. I think the Raiders came in with uh, not a solid plan about how they wanted to attack the Bengals defense. Um, I think they had an idea, but, uh and I, they must not have played each other during the season. So I think they had to plan on this one straight off of film. I could be wrong. I don't know. I can't remember that stuff. But I don't believe those two teams played in the past this season. Um, and the Bengals were cooking on all cylinders, and the Raiders really just couldn't get going. They, they had some, some stops and starts. They had some spurts of good ball. Uh, Josh Jacobs looked like he was fine and ready to go. But again, you know, you fall behind, you can't stick with your run game, you try to get back into the game, um, and then things start to fall apart. As far as the Patriots are concerned, I never thought they had a chance in this game, and they absolutely didn't. They were completely embarrassed and whipped by a far superior team, as I called it, in the beginning of the season. The Buffalo Bills are my pick. Yeah, I'm ready to do it. Buffalo Bills are my pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. OK, um, the Eagles. Eagles, the Eagles never had a chance. Never. You guys got to start waking up there out there in Philadelphia. Call your team what it is. It hurts a lot less when you do that. OK. And if I say something about the Eagles, good, bad or indifferent, somebody always goes, well, the judge. So, tell me something I don't know, but I believe it. It's still my team. Okay, you guys are in a freaking fantasy world. There's no way they were going to go down there and do anything competitive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Impossible. And the score proves it. And last but not least, Cowboys. They had their chances. They had their chances. They just couldn't get it done. I'm not going to get into that because – Talking about the Dallas Cowboys is going to be something that we're going to hear for a while now, for the next few weeks. And once the offseason comes, they're going to be monitoring and following everything the Dallas Cowboys do, because there's a lot of folks out there that can't believe that they gave it up like that. And the fact that it was close at the end and come down to that last play, if that shouldn't even really happen, they were lucky to even have that opportunity (laughs) <laughs> to make it look like they might do something at the end. The turnover.
0: It was, Shame it was on. the turnover.
1: Shame ben, on.
0: I want to ask you a question about this game. I don't want to get all into whether he should have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have. This is just a logistics question. Okay. They were at the Niners' 41 yard line. Okay. Go ahead. There was 14 seconds left on the clock. So it's a 41 yard long pass to the goal line. I'm thinking your speedy wideouts run about a four-three-four-four forty, 40. Which means that in 16 seconds, 14, 16 seconds, you could get two shots at the goal line from the 40. that's not a super long pass but it is a nice deep pass. you got lamb you got Amari you you got guys that if you spread them out in this one- on one they will probably win and you know you know is that is that logistically does that make sense that you could maybe have gotten two? Shots off at the end zone within 16 seconds. Two Hail Marys from 41 yards out.
1: Yeah. Okay. With two deep safeties and the corners playing off a 10-yard cushion. So now they're only 31 yards away from the end zone. And they're
0: turning and running because they're not worried about anything thrown you know, underneath. The, to, no. I understand you're talking, you're thinking strategy. I'm just talking logistics. I'm just talking. Do you think that these guys could literally have ran those no. routes? No times within a 16 second period, and be successful. No, no, I didn't say they would be successful. I'm just saying, do you think they could have gotten two two shots at it? Only one shot in 16 seconds. Wait, you're asking could they have
1: run two plays and gotten off two passes? Yes, yes, they could have done that. Yes. Oh, that's all
0: I'm asking. That's all. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't. Yeah, it didn't that seem they could have done, was, done. Yes, that was not, It didn't seem like that was an option that I've heard anyone even mention or discuss. No, they wouldn't, because then I have to talk strategy again, and you don't want to talk about that. So no, 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 no. I'm not talking about you. i talking do about it. the media in general. I haven't heard the media in general even mention that as a possibility. And I was no, just, the media in general says keep going to the sideline to get closer, and then hail Mary.
1: It. From the 30 or the 25. That ain't a Hail Mary. <laughs> exactly. 25. That's my point. Exactly. It's a regular offensive play with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Sed Wilson. Now you can win. Now you can win. You can't win from back there. Oh, uh, that was my question. That's
0: why nobody's talking we, about it. You can that. talk about whether you, you, know, again, I don't, you're saying you can't win. Yeah, I've seen Hail, we've seen Hail Marys, we've seen it happen. Bro. That's why they call it a Hail Mary and it was invented. They call it a Hail Mary because you have nothing
1: else to do. You, had no you have no other chance. You have no other
0: chance. They had time. They had time. Okay, all right, all right. Let's get ready for the second quarter where we're going to actually look at what happened last week. All right. All right, Ben, let's kick off the Sterling Pro Football net point power rankings portion of the second quarter and take a quick look back um, at the rankings based on through the wildcard playoffs. These are the teams that are left without doing all 32 as we normally do. From uh, left to right in your headings, ranked team, a is average net points. APF is average points for APA is average points against and ATLD is average turnover differential. So Ben, here we are. Um, let me, let me say uh, real quick, I'll just do the rundown of the net points for those who are listening in a podcast. Number one, Buffalo plus 12.4. And again, average net points and average turnover differential can run. Uh, Positive and negative, and I did want to mention real quick, Benny. Um, to the two teams who were in the negative going into the wild cards were the the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Las Vegas Raiders. So they got properly dispatched. of uh, the 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 uh, Philly and the Niners were both in the positive uh, closely Philly was 13th at 3.5. The Niners were 12th at 3.6. So, you know, um, so those are some of the teams that, that, uh, you know, that didn't make it through Arizona was actually a plus 4.9 tied with Cincinnati. So, you know, Arizona have played some good ball. We talked about that. Um, but they're not left in this list. One is Buffalo, 12.4. Tampa Bay is second at 9.7. Kansas City, third at 7.6. The LA Rams, fourth at 6.2. Cincinnati, fifth at 5.16. Green Bay, 4.6. Seventh, ten- Tennessee, 3.8. And eighth, San Francisco, tied with Tennessee at 3.8. Again, your average net points is the differential between your average points for and your average points against. So it's a little easier with this number. You can actually look at it and kind of see kind of what's going to happen when we start to talk about the bias plus reports where we take into account both the average net points and the average turnover differential when we look at that. Um, Number one across the board for average points for the scoring Uh, champ for right now is tampa bay at 30.1 the defensive champ is buffalo only allowing 17 points per game uh and that's uh, they might have a little skew for this the whooping that they put on um on uh the patriots and again uh, a referendum on those rookie and, and young quarterbacks coming into this level of competition green bay number one in average turnover differential at 0.8 so um you see anything in particular that you might want to mention
1: yeah i see a lot in particular that i don't know if i should mention or not but i guess since i already stuck my neck out and said i was making my pick for the super bowl out of the afc as buffalo i can look at this and i feel even better about that um Number one in average net points, number two in points for, number one in points against. Can't get much better than that. Number three in turnover differential. I mean, the only team that actually, the only single team that actually rivals that is Tampa Bay. Sitting in number two in average net points, number one in points for, number two in points against, and number two in turnover differential. Nobody else rivals the numbers across the board that those two teams have put up. Um, that would be a hell of a Super Bowl. Yeah, it, that would be a hell of a Super Bowl, except uh, I'm not going to name my NFC uh, invitee just yet. Um, but you might think you know who it is. But anyway, You know, yeah. you
0: know the this, thing that I saw interesting. Real, I'll just say real quick. How uh, modest Green Bay's numbers are for it to be the overwhelming favorite, you know, going in against the Niners. Um, they you know, six at you know net points four plus four point six. You know, averaging twenty six point five points per game. Sixth place again. Seventh place defensively, giving up twenty one point eight. You know, now the turnover differential. Boom, number one. At 0.8. But, you know, it's pretty close down the line 0.7, 0.6 between Tampa Bay and Buffalo. So uh, that's a pretty close situation. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, we we can't forget these numbers have been
0: accumulated over the entire season. Yes, they have. All right. Long story short, um, you know, Green Bay is down there with San Fran and down there with Tennessee. And I was wondering especially with green Bay is it could be that be a function of what I saw in the, in the NFC East is that, you know, again, like I said about the Cowboys, you know, you're beating up on, you know, your NFC East, you know, uh, um, people who who are all, you know, themselves struggling. In many cases, you were playing second and third stringers, Uh, but green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers, when he said to Chicago, I own you. So if he owns Chicago and, and uh, the Lions pretty much, you know, actually they beat Green Bay in the last game, but that was one of those last game anomalies. You know, nobody expected would expect the Lions normally to beat Green Bay if that wasn't the situation. So Green Bay kind of has a lock on that on that division to some degree. You know, and maybe that division just is not that competitive, so they didn't really necessarily, you know, have to put up twenty eight plus in order to handle their business, especially if they're only allowing 21. So, you know, that's about a, what, five, you know, a little under five points uh, differential there right there, so. Nobody else in that division even
1: made the playoffs, did they?
0: Don't believe so, no. I mean, uh, the hopeful was the Vikings, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not <laughs> – they, they 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 were able to Wait, cruise down. Uh, two out of the four teams are getting new coaches.
1: As they should, obviously.
0: <laughs> if you don't get two teams out of your
1: division, that doesn't say a lot about your division. Basically, it means whoever won the division does own you. He owns all of That's my you. Bet. That's what that means.
0: So, yeah. But I just thought that was a little modest. Those numbers were a little modest. Cincinnati is a little modest, you know. Um, Tampa Bay again, thirty points a game. Uh, I was looking at twenty-eight being that 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 point. Um, so my, you know, Green Bay, my Niners, and Tennessee got they got to get their offense up a little bit because uh, these other guys are scoring like that. Um, but everybody's pretty close defensively. I mean, from fourth down to eighth, we're talking less than a point six, you know, in points against. You know, and, you know, San Fran is right there 21.2. You know, you got two teams, Tampa Bay and Tennessee, 20.4, 20.8. And then, like I said, Buffalo at 17, which, you know, the Patriots, you know, they they a, They had really probably brought their average down a little bit with that game against the Patriots on that. So that, that made them look even better. But in any event, we know that, you know, a, a matter of fact, I wanted to mention, um, one of your teammates uh, talked about Buffalo's run defense and run game he thought were superior to the Patriots, and he looked like he was pretty much on time with that. You remember that?
1: Yeah.
0: Buffalo's run defense
1: was superior to New England's run defense? Superior to New England's
0: that's, that's run game. Said. Who are we talking about? They're both oh, their run game. Yeah, he thought that Buffalo could shut down the Patriots' run game. And he didn't think that the Patriots could shut down Buffalo's run game. That's kind
1: of right. Okay, well, eh, he's kind of right. But when you're getting blown out, you can't run the ball. You have to get back in the game. You have to attempt to pass. And when you were playing with a rookie quarterback who's already shown that he's got some learning to do, you're going you're to be in a bad way. Defensively, Buffalo was able – to do what they wanted to do against New England because offensively New England had no answer, no answer. I said last week, Buffalo's run game has improved. It has improved and it's improving at the right time. The offensive line is gelling. Everybody seems to be healthy. No COVID cases. Okay. And uh, Devin Singletary has decided that he wants to be the man there and he has basically taken over. (laughs) So, okay, fine. Uh, New England's run game, I cannot say anything bad about them. But you can't use them if you're down three scores. So,
0: I do understand point, what Buffalo does. It, it sounds um, like you're kind of moderating what he said, but overall, do you, th- you think their their run game is pretty, you know, their run defense is pretty decent, though? It's up to playoff level. That's the question. I think, I. I th- <laughs> Okay,
1: I don't know how to say this to not moderate what he said. Okay, if I want to take case by case basis, I would say that the Patriots run defense is better than Buffalo's run defense. I would say man for man, yard for yard, the Patriots run game is better than Buffalo's run game. But Buffalo is a far superior team to the Patriots. If the wind blows this way instead of this way, they beat New England by two touchdowns instead of losing that game in the wind.
0: Okay. All, right. All They're right. better. They're All right. They're just better. All right. I mean, that's one way to take a run game away from a team is to just, you know, put up a couple of touchdowns real quick on them. You know what I mean? And then they start to have to come out of what they wanted to do, especially if they want to run the ball. Um, so I do understand that, that aspect of it. Um, Okay, all right. So anything else before we move on to the third quarter? No, we can move on. I'm, I'm ready to go. But I like the way these these teams are lining up. Uh, this
1: is one of the well, – now, we won't know until we get to at least the conference championships and find out who's going to go to the Super Bowl. We won't know if we're going to have a situation like we've usually had in the past where the Super Bowl winner is usually ranked somewhere around – six or so because I haven't looked at I know you have the stats from week 18 and week 17 to see where everybody was at the end of the regular season a lot of times the top team at the end of the regular season sometimes doesn't even go to the Super Bowl but I think that'll be interesting but the way these teams are lined up right now (coughs) looks really really accurate as far as
0: I'm concerned
1: with the only exception being
0: the 49ers the other thing I think is that um, Green Bay got the buy, right? Yes. So you know that would put them at the top of the conference, but like I said, their numbers looked you know um, modest. And, Just and win, same, baby. And and the same thing for the Titans, you know. So Just that, win, that, baby. Hey, that that might say something, of, you know, about them, you know, that might that might defeat my twenty eight point thesis and say, now nah, you can get it done with 25, 24. As you know, that can happen. As Well, that's, it can it happen. happen. Yeah. I right. mean, Trent Dilfer right. won a Super Bowl. I'm holding on
1: to the 28th right now, though. <laughs> Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Let's not forget. Say that again? I said Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Let's not forget. <laughs> you remember that team went six weeks in a row without scoring an
0: offensive touchdown and won a Super Bowl. Six weeks in a row. That was that was the Ravens, right? Yes. They won
1: on field goals and pick sixes and fumble recoveries.
0: Well, that's so a, pretty, that's go, a pretty special defense. So, absolutely, I mean, that's a, but right. if you look, go back
1: and look at those numbers. I bet you they weren't scoring anywhere near twenty. And,
0: and wait, who was the running back? Uh, uh, not Jamal Adams. Uh, yeah, no, not Jamal Adams, Jamal. Ja, ja, yeah, right. <laughs> Molly Ma. <laughs> that power run game was in effect back <laughs> Right, but they didn't, weren't anywhere near 28 points a game. They weren't nowhere right, well, near. Well, again, win. you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to control the game. Time and space. Just win. Time and space. Just win. It's, that's what it's about right now. It's just win now. Let's talk about who's going to win or who's projected to win in the next segment where we're going to move on to the third quarter. And again, I remind people, this is Ben and Barry on football. You can get us at www.benandbarryonfootball and find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of of course, podcasts, Anchor and Spotify Podcasts. Right, Benny, let's start off the third quarter with the first matchup of the weekend. We got two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. Four games total. This is the early game. Let me see here. I got times. I put times down on this is 430 on Saturday. Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. The plus score 1.6. favors the Bengals. Wow. (laughs) Gets tougher and tougher, doesn't it? Let me run it down to you real quick. Cincinnati came in ranked fifth with an average net points of 5.1. Tennessee came in ranked seventh, average net points of 3.8. Cincinnati has an average turnover differential of plus 0.1. Tennessee is minus 0.2. So it's very close, especially when you factor in that turnover differential. And King Henry's supposed to be coming back. Uh Uh-oh. It's good to be the king. He's going to be fresh. Is he going to be fully healthy? Is he going to be ready to rock and roll? What do you
1: think? I I think he will be, first of all. Um, I think Cincinnati's probably the hot team in the AFC right now. Hotter than Kansas City. Almost as Not hot as Kansas the Bills. Kansas City? Hotter, oh yes, by, by far. Bengals are cooking on all cylinders. Kansas City's to me, is still a little clunky. And when I say that, let's remember, this team was just in the Super Bowl like two years in a row. They won one. They lost one. So clunky for them is not necessarily a terrible thing, but it's bad for them. Um, Cincinnati can't seem to do anything wrong right now. Uh, This is going to be a tough, tough matchup for them having to go into Tennessee. If this game was in Cincinnati, And them being favored, even though it's only 1.6 in the bias plus, I would probably go with the Bengals. But I think that Tennessee is locked and loaded. I think they have their whole offensive line back. I know Taylor Lewan is back. Uh, I know Derrick Henry is now back and they would not be unleashing him if he wasn't as close to 100% as he can possibly be. I mean, at this point, nobody's 100%. But if he's Coking around 96, 97, 98%. He's going to be a handful. A.J. Brown looks good. A.J. Brown looks good. They're probably going to cart Julio back out there, but my daughter knows how I feel about Julio Jones, so I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. But I'm telling you something. A.J. Brown is a handful by himself. Single him, double him, man him, throw up a zone. A.J. Brands is the truth, okay? So, um, and and, since I talked about coaches when I talked about the games last week and we made note of the quarterbacks who won and the difference between them and the quarterbacks who lost as far as veteran presence, uh, early success, okay, in in Mahomes because Mahomes hasn't been been there that long. I'm looking at Joe Burrow and I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill and people have been slighting Tannehill for quite a bit. But Tannehill's a vet. Tannehill's been around. Tannehill was in the playoffs last year. Okay. Burrow's in his second year and he's looking wonderful and he's going to probably have many, many great years to come. He has basically resurrected the Bengals when I look at the coaches I look at Mike Vrabel and I look at uh I forgot his first name Taylor Zach Taylor okay I see an advantage for the Titans I see and feel an advantage for the Titans I love the Cincinnati Bengals I want to pick them I actually think it'd be even more interesting down the line, if the Bengals win this game. But I have to go with the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to go against the Bias, and I'm going to pick the Tennessee
0: Titans. I kind of look at this a little bit like in in the uh, boxing fight game. You have boxers and you have fighters and those differences. tiles
1: make fights. That's what they always
0: say. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, So I kind of understand what you're talking about. And again, especially if if Henry comes up. The thing about Joe Burrow, though, is this is what? His third year? Second year. This is his second year. Okay. So he's he seems to be pretty mature at, for a second-year guy. I would agree. In terms of when they talked about, you know, how's all this feel? He, you know, he's like, you know. This is how it's supposed to be, so I can't get real ups, up and down about this right here because we ain't did it yet. It type, he had that kind of attitude, you know. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how far he can go. The Bias Plus, again, favors the Cincinnati Bengals based on what they've done uh, through the year, and uh, that includes the, the wild card. That's all averaged in, in these numbers. So, okay, let's go to the next one. <laughs> The San Francisco 49ers at the Green Bay Packers buys plus score Ben. 1.8. That's great. Favors, the Packers. Ah. 1.8.
1: Once again, I'm telling you, man, you, you, you don't give your team enough credit, bro. 1.8 is tight. And If anybody has the formula to beat the Packers, I believe it's the 49ers. The only question is, let's look at it this way. The the Packers offense is extremely balanced on top of the fact that you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. So he can pretty much go out there and call the game himself and be successful. Not only now does he only have Devontae Adams to lean on, but he's grown a stronger rapport with Alan Lazard and MVS. On top of the fact that Randall Cobb is now back. Randall Cobb can catch three passes in this game and hurt you. That's the kind of guy he is. Aaron Jones, as healthy as he's going to be, A.J. Dillon should be back off COVID. He should be fine. Zaire Alexander, the corner, has been out almost all season. He is back. This is this is big. Packers are loaded up, man. They're going all out for this thing. They're going to be really hard to beat. But if anybody has the formula to beat them, it's the 49ers because they run the ball so well. And if the Packer defense has a weakness, that is it. Their run day defense has been shoddy. They've been good certain games, okay? But it's usually games when Rodgers comes out firing, they get a touchdown up, they get two touchdowns up. People panic because it's Aaron Rodgers, oh, my God. And they start throwing the ball probably before they even need to. Okay? So they just give up on the running game right away because they're like, if we don't, he's going to kill us. And he ends up killing you anyway. So, Mr. Shanahan is going to have to be patient. If they score on you first, you still got to run the ball. Plus, not only do the Niners have the really good running game, but they have all the peripheral stuff in their running game with Debo, big time difference maker. They still haven't unleashed Kittle yet. At this point, I don't know even. I don't know, bro. I'm getting worried. Like at this point. I'm kind of glad I don't have him in the fantasy teams I got left. Because at this point, it looks like they're not going to. Ayuk is getting more and more looks, and Kittle's getting less and less. But every time I watch a successful run play, Kittle's making the big block. They're on to something. I don't know what it is. And I don't think they care who gets the glory. They're on to something, and it's working for them. They're going to be a handful, but I got to go with the Packers. I have to take the Packers because it's Aaron Rodgers. It's on the frozen tundra. They were in the NFC championship game last year and pooped it away to Tampa Bay. They had every chance to win that game and didn't do it. This time, they're not going to leave anything to chance. I think they take the Niners out in a really good game. The game's gonna be good at least for three quarters. And then, you know, we'll see what happens.
0: But yeah, I'm going with the Packers. Well, I don't blame you. This is what's interesting. You know, I do the virtual, right? And I don't know if you can see this, but I'm gonna read what it says. That's it. It says, I was, again, for our podcast audience, I was surprised at my ability to dominate this game. This play shows things going pretty well. I think even Jimmy G could have ran this in after the defender missed. With two minutes left, Niners up 28-7. to The Packers got the ball but didn't score until 22 seconds left. Failed on side kick and three quarterback kneel downs later. Final score 28-14, Niners. Check out Ben and Barry. And this just happened again. I play with Trey Lance. And we were just in that situation here. And Trey looked and he was dead to rights to that guy, but somehow he got by him and after that, boom. And I'm like, man, you know, it's if it's going good like that, then, then, you know, keep it going. Can I I see that again? You want to see it again? Yeah. There you go. No play action. Okay. That
1: It ain't happening in a real game, bro. Jimmy G's going to be turning his helmet back around because it's going to be flipped sideways. Well, you
0: notice notice that That I said. said, Trey Lance doesn't get by there. You notice that I said could have ran this in after the defender missed. He's not missing. Right. We weren't talking about whether he was going to miss or not. I'm just saying after he missed, there was nobody there. But you're right. If it was Jimmy G, then he would have been crushed. you know. If it was Trey and, and I, Lance, he would have been crushed. I'm playing with Trey Lance, so I got away with it a little bit. He still know? would have been crushed. Well, long, long, you know, that's what you say. But long story short, weird things happen all the time. And so that, that happened. But I was surprised that I even won that game. So often, you know, that doesn't even happen. My prediction is that 28-14 score – That's going to be scored the
1: opposite way by the (laughs) third quarter. So, like I said, it's going to be a good game for three quarters. It'll be 28-14 going into the fourth quarter, and that's when the wheels are going to fall off.
0: The scary part right now is we don't know the status of our middle linebacker and um, our sir. And be all right. those, that's two hard hits right there. You're talking about two of your top guys on your defense that make up for a lot.
1: Hard Warner will be good
0: guys. Huh? I, I predict Warner will be good. Both is in concussion protocol. That's tricky. Okay. But so, Warner will be good. Let's see what happens there. Okay. Okay, Ben. So that wraps up the Niners at the Packers. You going with the Packers, which means you're going with the bias. And again, ladies and gentlemen, obviously there's no opinion, no conjecture. Those are my, my Niners, but you know, the numbers are what they are. Next up, ah, the LA Rams going down to Tampa Bay to visit the Buccaneers. Bias plus score of four favors those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Benny, now what you got to say? <laughs> Rams at Buccaneers.
1: Four. <laughs> After looking at these first two games, four is a pretty big number. I <laughs> know. Uh, first of all, the Bucks earned every bit of this bias plus score. Even though it's only four. Um, they've proved that they can do what they need to do offensively and defensively. Uh, Brady's Missing uh, some big play guys, uh, mainly Chris Godwin, but he does get Fournette back, playoff Lenny as they call him. Playoff Lenny will be back this week, which adds to their run game. Again, we have two really good teams with very volatile and potentially high-scoring offenses that don't have – oh, I'm sorry – I was about to make a bad statement there. The Rams' run defense is a little bit shabby. And I mentioned that when I talked about them against the Cardinals. Unfortunately, the Cardinals weren't able to unleash their run game because they fell behind so quickly because Matt Stafford came out on fire. There's a good possibility that Matt Stafford could come out on fire again. But I'm going to believe in – Coach Arians, I'm going to believe in Todd Bowles. And I believe that Todd Bowles actually held back some defensive looks because he knew he could do anything he wanted against the Eagles. And he's going to show Matt Stafford some things he hasn't seen. If if I remember correctly, I don't even remember them ever blitzing the Eagles. I think they handled the Eagles with the regular front four. Stopped their run game at least enough to discourage them from using it, ran up the score, took the ability to run the game, run the ball away from the Eagles, and then just trounced them. There's a good possibility that they could do the same thing against the Rams. Now, obviously, this game should be more competitive because the Rams have better weapons on offense. But I think the Bucks are going to be really, really ready for this game. I think they're going to be ready to win this game. They're going to be ready to go back up to Green Bay and play the Packers. And they're going to be actually, nah, I was about to say, they're going to be just as good as they were last year. But actually, I don't think they will. Without Chris Godwin, and yeah, I'm the first one to say, Brady's done more with less at the receiver position than any quarterback I can ever remember over a length of time. He's been playing with second-rate receivers for years if you count the Patriots. This is the greatest receiver core he's probably ever had, minus the year he had uh, Randy Moss. But if 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 Godwin can't go, or obviously Godwin can't go. He's out for the season. But Rashard Perryman is back. I'm sure they're going to handle Mike Evans with kid gloves this weekend in practice so that he'll be ready. Okay? And then you take Tyler Johnson. And the other kid, uh, Grayson, I think his name is. You put that all together, I think Brady's got enough to work with. On top of the fact that because Fournette is coming back, that's his check down guy. Okay? Fournette caught a lot of passes this year. He probably broke his own record for catching passes this year. Uh, I I love Fournette. Fournette really, really makes these guys go. And they were successful last week with Keyshawn Vaughn. So – Yeah, I got to go with the Buccaneers on this one. I really do. I I think Ty Bowles is going to show Stafford some stuff he hasn't seen. He's going to throw a pick or two. He may take a bad sack or a strip sack, and they're going to take this game over, and they're going to win it. I don't know how long it's going to take them to take the game over, but I believe that the Buccaneers will do that. So I'm going with the Bucks. I never heard you
0: mention Gronk.
1: Do I need to mention Gronk? That's. that's I mean, you were
0: talking about all of the receivers. I kept waiting for you to go, Gronk, Gronk, Gronk. And I just didn't hear it. So I thought I'd. Yeah, well, I mean, again, as far as I'm concerned, Tom Brady could have Gronk and and the three little mice and potentially still win the game. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying, if you go back and look at the numbers,
1: Gronk probably had the least amount of receptions than all those guys, even the no name dudes. The Gronk. Gronk is like – who did I mention earlier? I said could catch three balls, but two of them are going to be great catches or one of them is going to be a big-time touchdown. Gronk is that kind of guy right now. Gronk's not going to beat you with with five catches up the seam for 127 yards. He's not that guy anymore. But he'll catch four. He'll get you two big first downs and a touchdown, and that's all you'll need
0: from him. Well, that that's and that's important. You know what I mean. When you're talking about first downs, when you're talking about scoring opportunities, um, you know, they kind of like with Kittle. He does a lot of blocking, so when you start to look at his numbers comparative to other receivers, they're gonna it's gonna be out of whack. Um, But he has such a size differential. He catches the ball. He's smart. He don't have to be real fast anymore. And in those situations, like you're saying, in the red zone and stuff like that, it's really nice to be able to Gronk him. And I just still believe that he is Tom Brady's um, protective blanket, you know? That's where he goes. All right, long story short, going with the bias, going with the Buccaneers. Let's move on. All right, here you go, Benny. The largest buys plus of the weekend is the Sunday evening game. What's that? 6.30 p.m. Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, it's funny because we were talking about how Buffalo is like number one in net points, but Kansas City has the home field advantage. So, Buffalo has to go there. And – Still in all because of the net point advantage. Buffalo is favored. Five score of 5.2 in the bias plus favors Buffalo in <coughs> Kansas City, much less. Oh man. This is one of those games where you really they were talking about how they how guys had wished that the Chargers would have advanced so they could see Herbert. Perform at these levels, you know. But yes. you know, but now he's he's out. And you know that after this game, one of these two teams, you know, and you want to see them sort of at the conference, at the Super Bowl level, you know. Mahomes, we've kind of already seen. Um, but right now your boy Josh is playing a right combination or a nice combination of pocket and running quarterback. So, uh you know, and he's got digs. He's got some weapons. And yeah, man. So, here you go, buddy. What do you got? Okay, first On let Bill's me Bills Mafia interview. or what? Oh, You know I love Bills Mafia.
1: You know I love Bills Mafia. I've said time and time again over the course of the season that I think the Bills are better than Kansas City. I believe the Bills have already gone into Kansas City and won this season. I believe they will do it again. I'm taking Buffalo right off the bat. No drama, no extra. Now, the only scary thing about picking Buffalo in this game is, number one, Chiefs are home, which isn't that big a deal to me. Okay? Number two is what I saw from the Chiefs' offense last week was a little bit more spreading around of the ball by Mahomes, um, he got the ball to like everybody. Uh, um, what's his face? Uh, obviously Kelsey got his, um, Tyreek Hill didn't catch as so many balls as he normally does. Teams are really bracketing him and trying to keep him from killing them. uh, Hardman had a good number of throws and good catches and good yardage afterward. Um.
0: Remember oh remember, I was talking about how much opportunity there is in those underneath throws and those quick passes? Yes. And, 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 he, and they were the using manager that uh, of, of those now. And also, I guess included, I don't know if these are included as passing stats, but didn't he have it? He had at least two. Then they had the one play to the lineman where it's like the shovel up the middle.
1: Yeah, like that's considered pass a pass. Wins.
0: That's a pass. That's a pass. Okay. Yep. So yeah,
1: they they're tricky. A little sleight of hand here and there. You know, that's that's Andy Reed's forte. I get it. But when the Bills unleash their offense on that shaky Kansas City defense, he's gonna have to pull out all the stops to keep up. I really believe that the Buffalo Bills are gonna go in here and show these boys what it's like to play a real team, a real team that's going to keep coming at them, that team that's not going to cower if they drive down and get a score or Tyreek Hill gets a big play or anything like that. And, 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 the, and the good, like I said, the good thing about the Chiefs is the diversity with which they used their passing game last week. The bad thing about the Chiefs is their lack of a running game. If, in fact, this becomes a scoring battle, or if, in fact, the Buffalo Bills were to go up on them, it's going to be a problem. In fact, even if the Chiefs go up early, will they be able to sustain it? Will they be able to hold a lead without a real run game? They're pretty much done, bro. Hilaire is down. Darrell Williams is not healthy. The young kid Gore didn't look so good against a good team. <laughs> They're coming in a little short-handed. It's all on Mahomes, and we know what happens to Mahomes when he's under intense pressure. I saw several plays on the network where they showed where he could have come up and thrown the ball, and instead he chose to escape the pocket and try to throw on the run. He still got the same problems he had last year when they lost the Super Bowl. I'm taking the Bills. I'm taking the Bills confidently.
0: All right. All right. And you know something that's real, I didn't mention this during the, when our discussion on the uh, Niners and, and the Packers, but there was a set of stats that, that they ran on TV in one of these shows, which talked about Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers under pressure and the the drop in his quarterback rating under pressure. And I was looking at it like, what? You know, just it didn't make sense. This is what the funny part was. When I was playing the virtual game, and I was really thinking about not, like, blitzing them or not coming at them, you know, anything, because it's Aaron Rodgers, and he's just going to take full advantage of it. And I saw I had to stop the game, and I put the regular TV on when I came to come back to the game. When I came back, they were talking about this, and I looked at that, and I was like, oh. So I can't pressure him. (laughs) And literally just in that time frame, I went on and added it in, and it worked. So really funny, but I was surprised. that doesn't make sense when you're talking about an Aaron Rodgers that it, you know he he his uh, quality would drop precipitously when he's under pressure versus not under pressure. That's the one thing the Niners were always able to do was to pressure him, you know, and and really you know screw it all up for their offense. So um, mm, I, that was just a weird stat. Okay. Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs by per score 5.2 favors. The Buffalo Bills, you are going with the Bills Mafia. Correct. All right. And that wraps up the third quarter of Ben and Barry on football. Again, find us at www.benandbarryonfootball. Let me say that again. Find us at www.benandbarryonfootball. <laughs> Barry's the guy in the blue shirt. Ben's the one that's pouring the crown. Is that crown white? What is that you're pouring there, buddy? Hmm. Crown Royal Reserve? Crown, Crown Royal Reserve. I can't even say it. So, all right. Looks like you've done a little bit of damage What to you that got bottle. in that coffee, bro? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you, you know. Uh-oh. Look like you've done a little damage to that bottle there, man. looks like that bottle yeah yeah. taking a hit. (laughs) It's been a long three weeks, bro. (laughs) All right. Well, okay, Benny, let's kick off the fourth quarter of the show here. This is where we go back to our Facebook page at Ben and Barry on football and talk about hot topics and current football events. All right. We just finished talking about the uh, bias plus reports for the divisional round in the NFL. I'm just sharing this because this is more of the Vegas uh, take on who's favored and who's not favored. So on Saturday, we've got uh, the, the Titans, three and a half point favorites over the Bengals. I would take that. We have the Packers, six-point favorites over the Niners. I will take that. We have the Buccaneers, three-point favorites over the Rams. I will take that. And we have the Chiefs at a two-point favorite over the Bills. Now I take the Bills in the plus two. Take the bills in the plus two. All right, we'll have to talk about that, Benny. I don't know. I'm not, do I have to go to Jersey in order to place that bet? I don't know. I mean, we're such non-bettors. It's, it's, it's crazy. Benny. The Texans are in have interviewed Heinz Ward. <laughs> what? Oh. I didn't hear about this. Oh my goodness. They are, they are, they are. Thinking outside of the box, so to speak. Uh, Heinz Ward does not have any pro head coach or coordinating experience, Um, but he's Heinz Ward, (laughs) you know? So I just thought that was, you know, extremely interesting. And this is another name we're going to throw out a little bit later. Um, But since you didn't have a chance to digest that to just now, well, you you want to you want to hold your comments, or you got something to say about that? No, I
1: got something to say, man, it, and it's unfortunate that I'm saying this. Okay, A- after seeing some guys like Joe Judge and some others get head coaching jobs that have very small professional resumes, or uh, have never at least had any head coaching or coordinator experience. And then to see Hans Ward, who has been interning, I believe. He's been – because, you know, they got these intern programs for, for uh, diversity's sake. Um, and, and obviously he comes That's from the Steelers. That's good You brought that up. That's right. He comes from the Steelers. He comes from Mike Tomlin and the whole nine yards. Okay. And I'm Super not saying he pedigree. doesn't Yes, he has a great football pedigree. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to be interviewed. And I'm not saying that he should not get the job. I'm not saying that. But when I see this and then I look at the state of uh, 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 head coaches of color and even coordinators of color and the way that it is now, I can't help but get the feeling that this is simply an interview
0: to satisfy the Rooney rule. Okay. All right. All right. Make a big splash, Rooney Roll satisfied. <clears throat> I understand. I understand. Well, let's go on to the next uh post here. That uh, oh, I did want to show this real quick. We talked about the Rams Cardinals game. <laughs> oh, I love this. This is great. <laughs> so so
1: now I don't feel so bad. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Now
0: I don't feel so bad cuz my girl was was uh, was with me. She well, could see. I, it. I used the word topsy turvy in that uh blog on the intriguing on this game as the intriguing game of the week. I kept saying topsy turvy topsy turvy. And when I saw this, I'm like, "Gee me Christmas." You know what I mean? Um so yeah, yeah. The thing is, Cynthia really leans on the numbers.
1: And I'm not normally a guy who likes to lean on the numbers. I respect the numbers, but I try to, you know, really get my own view of things. And I think that's why I picked the Cardinals kind of based on that turnover differential number and all that stuff. I think that's what swayed me, but I I have no problem with my pick. And and
0: now I feel even better about it. It's really, I don't think we could have really, comprehended i I thought ahead of time that Kyler Murray and that offense would be as dysfunctional as they were. Yeah they look they looked really bad. And I, when a team that good looks that bad, I, I gotta blame it on the coach. Okay. 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 So yeah I thought I thought that this was uh this was interesting. So I wanted to to throw that up there. All right what's up next ah the NFL draft order. Oh God. 1 through 10. Uh, the Jets at 10. The Broncos at 9. Falcons at 8. The Giants at 7. Panthers at 6. Giants got two picks in Wait the top 10?
1: Wait a minute. You mean to tell me the Eagles
0: have three first-round picks and none of them are in the top 10? Oh, no, no, they're not. They're all below the top 10. They're in the That's first all round. I've been hearing. Oh, we
1: got three first round picks. Got three first like round
0: 15, picks. 15, 13, and all that kind of stuff. But no, not top 10. Good Lord. has got two top 10 picks, though. Mm.
1: Right. Hence, we need a new GM and a new head coach. So do and the, the Jets. New GM job, the new GM is the most important decision they have to make right now because they've already made it clear that the new GM will pick the new head coach. So it's extremely important that they win this and get themselves a good GM. Some of the names that I've seen, some of the guys that have been interviewed have very respectful resumes. They come from winning organizations and good cultures. I have no problem with any of them. I, they haven't they haven't as far as I know, they haven't interviewed anybody that I'm like, "What? Get out of here." You know what I mean? So, everybody's got respectful resumes and come from good teams, good cultures, good everything. So, yeah, I I don't think they're going to mess mess this up. But I do hope that they actually hit a home run on this. Because if they do, The Giants will be back within the next two years, at least back to the playoffs, which is which is all I want, because it's all up from there. The Giants are not a team that's going to sit around in the mire for a decade like they just got finished doing. And they just got finished doing that because Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge. uh, What was that other knucklehead coach they had with the funny mustache? And, and, and Pat Shermer, are you kidding me? Strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. Nothing but mistakes from the front office. Nothing but mistakes from the front office. You hit a home run with this GM pick here, and we could
0: turn all that around. Oh, Sorry. Didn't mean to like go that. on a giant rant. I'm looking at this list of head coach vacancies that they put up, and I just, you know, wanted to share real quick, but I don't see the giants on that list. Yeah, well, the list is too long. Yeah, that might be the problem. And <laughs> it goes longer than that. That might be the problem there. All right. Moving on. <laughs> this was NFL memes. <laughs> they, they do, they do sometimes just.
1: All right, this is something that the uh, Eagles fans have would, were putting up, like, oh, dumbass Cowboys, they did something stupid again.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. If you want to expound, this is your chance. It's, you know, give you, I give you 60 seconds, what you got to say. You don't think so. Okay, you think- so, so, so first of all,
1: I probably, if I was in that situation and I was the coach or the offensive coordinator, And believe me, if the offensive coordinator came up with this and said, we want to do this, he had to get an okay from the head coach to do this, a play like this in the situation that they were in. And obviously, McCarthy was with it. And he said in his post game interview that he was all for it. Now, here's the thing they had already run a few plays during that series where they hit some sideline passes and got out of bounds and stopped the clock, which was good. They were able to advance the ball. I can remember the commentators, whoever the heck they were, I think it was Tony Romo or somebody else say, they just brought in so-and-so to try to shut down the sidelines. They had all D-backs in the game and like three fast rushers, maybe four, tops. Okay, And they were going to sit people on the sidelines, shallow to intermediate, to make sure that even if they completed a sideline pass, that they didn't eat up too much yardage. They were gonna make them scratch and claw for every inch and keep the safeties up top to make sure they didn't get off a long one on them. To me, they were guarding against not necessarily completing passes to the outside, but getting significant yardage on passes to the outside. And they were guarding against Hail Marys. Those are the two things they did not want to happen. And they were prepared and they did really well with their scheme. So that's why this play comes up. And you heard McCarthy and you heard Dak, if you watch their post-game interviews, say several times, we practiced this play over and over and over again. This is in their repertoire. They did not draw it in the dirt. This is something that they came up with if they saw a defense like what the 49ers threw up against them. Here's the problem. When you're practicing it, and I heard, I want to say, Ryan Clark say, in practice, you might be able to get this off in 12 or 14 seconds, but in a game where a big fat lineman might lay on you and make it tough for you to get up after you slide, you might need 16, 18 seconds. So no matter how many times you practice it and say, well, we can get this off and get it down and get one more shot at the end zone within 14 seconds. In a game, that's not guaranteed. Number one, he only needed to run about 10 or 12 yards. He ran like 15 or 16. That's a second, second and a half, at least, minimum. Then he slides. Then a guy lays on him. Then he gets up, and then, in the heat of the moment, he hands the ball to his center. Worst mistake he could have ever made. Because the ref actually was running. He was sprinting in to set the ball. And because he gave it to the center and the center put it down and the line lined up, he had to bang in the deck and alignment to get them out of the way to set the ball because the ref must set the ball after every single play. That's the, that was the mess up. If he had just slid, stood up, and turned around and looked for the ref, he could have handled the ref the ball. Guys are set up. Ref, all you have to do then is just squeeze between the guard and the center. You don't run into that. Set the ball. Snap. Boom. Now they got a shot at a real play, not a Hail Mary. All right.
0: There you go. That's Ben's thesis on the situation. I'd have thrown two deep balls from the 41-yard line. And it'd yeah, with a-
1: everybody dropping
0: and yeah, snapping. everybody and dropping. That's that's how it, that's what happens in the Hail Mary. Everybody's dropping, he throws it. Bro, it wasn't a Hail Mary situation. Hey, it, it wasn't even as long as the Hail Mary's a 40-yard pass. She me, Christmas. I am somebody's getting sick. The corner's already we'll got 10-yard cushions. The safety's already got 20-yard cushions. Yeah, I hear you. They be you. standing there waiting the, the, for him. That, That's the, ridiculous. The, the chances Barrett, of that of run that that actually working, Barrett, this that was bad, a high-risk move, and, uh, and it was a stop. very low chance that you're going to get that run off, drop you the ball, stop. do everything First of all, and then you've only got barely a second to get one playoff.
1: Maximum numbers they can get down there. Maximum number of receivers they can get down into
0: the end zone in the time Three. that they need. Three. Three. Maybe maximum four, number maybe of DBs. DV- they, they, they probably got another fast guy. No, they don't. I maximum, don't
1: know. No, Gallup is hurt and they don't have nobody else. Okay. Who? The guy Butler or uh, whatever his name is. No, stop. Num- maximum number of D backs that the Niners could get back.
0: Well, first of all, you said they're plastering. Try the six. Side. Then you say they're Try plastering six. the sideline. Try so six. They're playing, the, they're playing the out, they've already spread themselves out. Bro. You can't be everywhere. Are you serious? Barry, are you serious everywhere? right now?
1: Are you serious right now? Yes, I am. You got a corner here on this sideline, 10 yards off. You got a corner here on this sideline, 10 yards off, Right. You got four more DBs, basically in an umbrella, 15 to 20 yards off, and you think three receivers are going to run into that mess? First of all, as soon as the guys on the outside
0: run down you're field. Not, you're not going to go out there with three receivers. You say how many <laughs> receivers can get to the end zone? So you aren't going to be out there with just three guys. Even in that little, what you call them there, you're out there with five guys. Okay? How many are you going to go with? So long story short, this is how all many hypothetical. Are you gonna go with? Why? How many are you gonna go with? Six, what? five? You're still outnumbered. This you're that, outnumbered. That, they're only rushing that three. That is what makes the this the fact that you. This is why you go get a C.D. Lamb and an Amari Cooper, who if you can get a one on one or even a one on two, they you will can't get a one on one in that catches. situation. They're they in will an make umbrella those zone. The funny players, I think that they oh could have done God. more against my Niners than what you think. <laughs> so that's You're what's killing kind of me, man. About You're killing thing. me. You're killing me right now. All right. Let's move on to the <laughs> next thing. Comeback player of the year, Joe Burrow. What do you think about that? I think that's a wonderful choice. He already won it or it's. This is what they're saying. Up? This came up today from the NFL or pro I'm football. Saying, is it a, is it a this is this is a pro football focus
1: award? Oh, okay. All right. So they're calling him okay. So he tours ACL and his MCL back in November of 2020. He's got a 91.2 passer rating, which is number one in the NFL. He's thrown 13 touchdowns, on 20 plus yard throws. That's that's nice. That means his deep ball is the truth, which is first in the NFL. And um, he is pro football focus comeback player of the year i would agree with that
0: okay okay he's he's having a great year now the genius of getting chase as a receiver man because you know i'm thinking about how deep his passes are versus how long those touchdowns are when chase catches it over the middle and runs it for 50 yards (laughs) you know that counts as a you know, if Chase runs it for 50, that's at least a 50-yard touchdown that goes down for him. That, that, you don't have to throw it in the air 50 yards. Nope. No. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was that was probably one of the better choices to, to help him really, you know, mature as a quarterback and really feel comfortable that, you know, and, and who he can – and then having a the go-to guy like that. So, um, I told you two years ago Jamar
1: Chase was better than Justin Jefferson.
0: Okay. Okay, all right. Well, Justin Jefferson ain't bad, but Jamar Chase is a bad. Jamar Chase is better. He was better at LSU when they were teammates, and he's better now. Ben, first I said Heinz Ward. Now look. Interview. Texans. Flores. That's, again,
1: again, as good as we think Flores was, And as much as we like Flores, again, they just fired a black head coach. Now they're interviewing two black head coaches. (coughs) If they turn around and they hire Urban Meyer, (laughs) I'll never watch a Texans game again. I'm telling you, man, I can't help it. The state of the NFL and, and and coaches of color leads me to believe that the conspiracy theory is satisfy the Rooney rule and then take who the hell we want. Not a and this interview.
0: It's what they do. It's just what they yeah, do. exactly. <laughs>
1: and this interview looks better than the Heinz Ward interview because this man has already got head coaching experience and had a nice run at the end of this season with a quarterback that reports say he didn't even like. There's reports out there that he told Tua, if I knew you were going to be this bad, I wouldn't have picked you. I'd have been against picking you. Yes, supposedly he told Tua that to his face. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, okay, but part of the reason why he was fired was not for on-field stuff. It was for off-field stuff. So, you know, I I I don't know. All I know is, if they hire him, kudos to him. Great job. I think the Texans will be glad they did it. But if they don't, and they take somebody like Urban Meyer, or
0: well, there's a lot of other
1: white coaches I don't think, they could take who are sure. There's a bunch of them. Well, Well, I don't uh, think. Yeah, sure. I I understand that. But are they going to fit? Are they going to fix that wreck of a culture that they have down there? Everybody can't do that. You know, everybody. Doug Peterson wants no parts of that job. I'll tell you that. And he's out there trying to get himself a job. Doug Peterson might end up with the Giants.
0: Well, Okay, but he don't want no parts of that job. GM, right? They have the same general manager. They didn't get rid of him. No, they kept the general manager. And they have the same owner. Yes. So, you know, as you said, as as we said, the dysfunction is from top down in the Texan situation. Right. Uh, I was glad, and I mentioned it, you know, in uh, one of the articles, David Cully, who they just fired, the black quarterback coach, Texas had that they just fired after one year, you know, of trying to operate within that, that craziness, but they paid him a total of $22 million for that one. Good for year. him. Good <laughs> That's for what him. I'm saying. <laughs> Good for him. He got 22 you know? mil to be a babysitter
1: in a dysfunctional situation. He got his money. They fired him, but now he's got one year of head coaching experience in the NFL under his belt. He's got 22 million dollars in his bank account. Okay. And he's like, I dealt with that. <laughs> I dealt with that.
0: Yeah. yeah and
1: yeah. won games.
0: And won games. With Tyrod Taylor and a
1: freaking rookie. <laughs> Only a couple games. But I won with that. Ben. He he he's a he's a big winner in this, if you ask me. I mean, I know he got fired. But he's a winner.
0: No doubt. I'm with what? you. I'm what with the, you.
1: What the hell is this? You? Got?
0: <laughs> what is this? Uh, I'm going to do a little here He got a gift. Go. From, from Death Doggy Dog. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, snap. This is
0: what we're talking about. Eli gets a chain <laughs> from Death Row Records. Snoop Dogg, he told me he's going to get him, so I think it was his birthday or something. Snoop Dogg sends Eli Manning
1: a death row gold chain for his birthday. Heavy
0: gold, too. Yo, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Eli. Oh <Omaha>. my. <laughs> The Manning family is man. hilarious. I can watch the commercials all day long. If the Eli gets game, in the Hall of Fame, I gotta, I gotta
1: go. If, if Eli gets in the Hall of Fame, bro, we
0: gotta go. <laughs> you, yeah, for sure. You know he will. He, sure. will. he should be. According yeah. to my, you know, my criteria, he's in. He's a Super yeah. Bowl. Player.
1: Right. And, and, and no Eagle fan is going to watch his speech. They hate him. They hate him with a passion. All Eagles fans and Patriots fans hate Eli Manning with a passion. But I don't care.
0: Too funny. Too, <laughs> funny. Too funny. Too funny. He should wear uh, that with his gold jacket. He should have that <laughs> He kept saying through the whole thing, Then he kept saying, I've never owned a chain. And <laughs> <I've> never owned. <laughs> this is a chain. This is new to me. <laughs> oh, he's oh good. Too funny, too funny. Oh all right. Lord. Just for everyone to know, I'm not gonna go into it too much right now, but the list here, the full list of all the NFL Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year award nominees. Is that the Ben and Barry page? You can go there. Sometimes when you go, even go to the NFL website, you got to find all of this stuff. But if this is what you want to see that list, come on over, check it out. And uh, I did hear some- I'm going to look at it again. Huh? I said, I'm going to look at it again. But I tell
1: you what, if you watch over the course of the season, when they announce each team's guy and show- what they've done and what they're doing. This has to be one of the most difficult awards ever to actually present to somebody. The things that these guys are out there doing, man, for kids, for the elderly, for people with cancer and other, other uh, uh, the diseases and stuff like that, what they're doing over, some guys are doing stuff overseas, I mean, you know, people look at these guys and they're like, ah, eh, football player, you know. Some of these guys are really doing some really, really great humanitarian stuff. Oh my God. I'm telling you. And it, it, it's, it's just amazing what they do. So before they give the award, hopefully it'll be televised or whatever. I'm sure they'll have it at the ESPYs or something like that. They'll probably show at least the top contenders and the stuff that they're doing. This stuff is magnificent, man. It really, really, if you get, this is an extremely prestigious award. Every player
0: wants this award.
1: This award means a
0: lot to them. Well, two things I'll say real quick. Number one, I, I heard some dialogue relative to Dak Prescott, because he is the Cowboys NFL Man of the Year. Okay. But after he kind of said what he said when the, when the Cowboy fans were throwing trash, uh, what they thought was the players were throwing it at the refs. And he kind of said, yeah, good, you know, kind of, but then he turned around and backtracked and said, no, I, you know, I didn't mean that. I apologize, you know, for that statement. So he backtracked it real quick, you know, because he was like, yeah, if they hit the refs, like, yeah, good, good throw. You know, he, he didn't say that exactly, but he kind of came out like that at, at one of the um, press conferences. He said something so, along the lines of, I like their mindset or something. Yeah. Like something that. along that, on that thing. So, that, that, they're saying, could have an impact on his, you know, attractiveness as the That's NFL okay. man of the year. But you're absolutely right. All of, so many of these players have foundations. Yes. You know, they, are, they and we don't know about all of them. Many of them are getting uh, help from the Inspired Change uh, uh, area, uh, um, uh, nonprofit uh, social work that the NFL does at large. Um, And so there's money. And this was what I didn't understand. All 32 nominees will receive up to a $40,000 donation in their name to their charity of choice. Now, that's That's just being a nominee. Right. Tremendous. Yes. The the winner of the award will get two hundred and fifty thousand dollar donation to their charities, courtesy of. The NFL Foundation and nationwide. So that's
1: fantastic. We
0: try to say, you know, talk about some of the good stuff that's happening in the NFL. I don't know if we have much beyond that. Uh, This is just a promo. Hey, you know what that means? Thanks for (laughs) following. Please leave comments and suggestions. This is Ben and Barry on football. We believe football is life. That is our motto. And you can find us at www.benandbarryonfootball, a major social media, and on podcast Apple and Spotify. That leads us to the end of the fourth quarter. Mr. Dickerson, any final comments? Real quick. So I've been hyping it
1: up. It finally happened. We went down to the Flag Football National Championships. I was helping the coach. I was the defensive coordinator for the philly legends which is the eight man 35 and over team we did not play well we only won one game we lost two it's a double elimination tournament we were out i'm sick about it i don't feel good about it at all i didn't feel good about it, and i still don't um i'm still mulling some things around in my head in reference to that uh no other Philadelphia team, I believe, was able to come away with a championship. However, some teams did do well. Uh, Tri-State Bullies, who are actually from Delaware but have played in our league, did pretty well in Division II. Um, the UT Cobras, who uh, have won some tournaments over the last year, um, came up a little bit short. Uh, But they did play. They played with the big boys. They played Division one, eight man Division one. Um, So they came up a little short. We did, however, have some players who didn't play with their own normal Philly teams. But in fact, were recruited by and played for some other teams. And they did win national championships. One. Yes. One in eight man Division one. And one in or more than one, maybe three or four guys in nine man division one. So good to see that these guys got themselves national championship rings. Also good to see that they got them in the highest division out there. Okay, not to disparage division two or division three, but these guys are doing it at the highest level with top teams who value their uh, efforts and their skills. So kudos to them congratulations to them. all that's great. Um, our the PTTFL spring season will be starting probably in March. So at this point going forward, you know how I'm gonna end every show now Go Knowles <laughs>